0: Man, I almost just died. <clears throat> I was taking a sip of the Lagavulin and hiccuped at the same time. Woo. That is not something you want in your lungs.
1: <clears throat> Get that corona right out of there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm thinking a bowl of gummy bears really wasn't the right snack choice for right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat some hard pretzels,
2: so. <laughs> oh,
0: man. I'm trying to think of what the, oh, it was the the Jolly Ranchers. Did you guys ever have the, the competition that you just bite down real hard on it until your teeth basically fuse to it? Yeah. And then. Rip it open. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Extract a couple of teeth. It mm-hmm. works for little kids. Or like yeah. a, a bit of honey bar will do that? I, I
0: don't remember what the rules were, but we had we had a whole competition system, you know, brackets and everything in elementary school.:
1: All right, so what we read. James, you want to give us an intro on this? We'll just edit it together, put it all in post.: <laughs> Just
2: make me sound good, Ryan. Make me sound good.:
1: No promises.:
2: <laughs> No problem. No wait, Was that no problem or no promises. I can't <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't catch that. So uh, we read the the very first story ever of Conan, also sometimes known as Conan the Barbarian. The very first story is also the last story chronologically, uh, his life, based on a true story, where he is the A king, true story
0: um, made up so entirely of made-up events.
2: Made up of, and made up of entirely made-up events and locations and people.
0: No, oh, it's based on France.
2: <laughs> is it based on France? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hyperion is a very French word. Aquilonia <laughs> is
0: supposedly somewhere in France. At least that's what the Wikipedia has said.
2: But uh, he's the king. He's not happy as king. He just wants to drink and kill people. And I think he makes mention of wenches somewhere in there as well.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there was definitely some pillaging that he was missing too.
2: I don't remember if any of the the plebes, the, the peasants, how they felt about Conan, I assume... Based on the story that they liked him, but the other governmental powers did not.
0: Well, not not at this like point, because there's the comment that the what is it? Ronaldo was that the the, the uh, poet
2: or something? Yeah,
0: yeah the the minstrel or whatever. He had swayed the people away from Conan, so they were yeah Ronaldo. So they were right. missing, and, and
2: Conan Conan complained about the fickleness of the people that they you'd think they would be a little more appreciative of.
0: Yeah, he's like, they're they're longing for that king who is a total dick to them.
2: Right. So a number of the, I always just categorize them as politicians, but uh, I'm not sure what the governmental structure was there, that that kingdom, the governmental organization of it all, uh, decided to enlist some uh, assassins, if I remember that correctly. And eventually some like, like demon comes after him. And he gets a special sword to stop said demon. Well,
0: it was it was his sword, and then Epimetrius, which I don't know about you, but his name totally made me think of the Lego movie with Vitruvius.
2: (laughs) But Epimetrius is my middle name.
0: Really, that's convenient. Epimetrius, the ancient sage, whose tomb is some sort of religious mystery, because the priest dude gets super uptight when Conan starts describing epimetrius's tomb epimetrius comes to conan in a vision and places the phoenix mark on his sword and that's how he defeats the shadow demon but yeah it was it was dion i think was the the bad guy the leader of the conspiracy to replace conan and then he had gotten that ascalante guy who had the sl- slave named thoth and that's not with a lisp and Thoth had been in some sort of super powerful evil sorcerer dude in some Egypt-like place. Mm-hmm. And he had one of the, I think one of the nine rings of power gifted to mortal men.
1: It's certainly mm-hmm. what it seemed like. Yeah. It. Yeah, Thoth Amon. He's from Stygia.
0: Yeah. So he got that ring stolen. And when, he, when the ring was stolen, then he basically went into hiding because he had made a bunch of enemies by using his power to be a jerk. And then it turns out when you don't have power, then maybe you shouldn't be a jerk. And so he hid, and then he was captured as a slave. And so then in the course of things, he he finds out that this other conspirator has the ring. So he murders said conspirator and takes the ring and then starts doing his evil voodoo chant and summons some weird sort of shadow demon bat dog thing is kind of how i pictured it and so yeah they they um have bribed the captain of the guard to leave conan unguarded at night so they can break in and and kill him conan kind of because of the vision knows that something's up so when he wakes up from the vision he starts putting on his armor so he's all prepared when they come in and then he's got his um, special sword and then it breaks almost immediately which actually kind of took me by surprise because there's a whole bunch of this story that was very obviously coming How about
2: that sword mm-hmm.
0: yeah and, and then the sword just immediately breaks so he's fighting one of the guys whose name is escaping me at the moment might have been it might have been the Dion dude I don't know the bard um, no because um, I think the bard went down pretty easy because he was just a bard And so then the shadow monster comes in and just totally slaughters the other guy. And I feel like Conan probably would have gotten away without having to fight the shadow demon, except that he was a barbarian. And so he started fighting the shadow demon. Mm -hmm. Then he took like the shards of like, there was just a little bit of his sword left and he stabbed the shadow demon in its shadow area and it like melted into the floor. And then everybody rushed in, and he started talking about the vision he had of uh, Epimetrius's tomb. Mm-hmm. And the high priest got super angsty, then wanted to see the sword, and they saw like the phoenix mark on it, and that's kind of how it ended.
1: Was one of the conspirators, was it the guy that was in Conan's chambers early in the book? Is it, um, I thought he. when the crowd rushed in, there was somebody that he recognized.
0: He recognized a few of the, the people like yet recognized Rinaldo was there because they were mentioning Rinaldo right. back in Chapter 2 when he was saying that the real power in the kingdom lies with the...
1: With the storyteller.
0: Yeah, that's... <laughs> he says, it was Prospero who he was talking to in his chambers at the beginning. He says, no, Prospero, he's beyond my reach. A great poet is greater than the king. His songs are mightier than my scepter.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: And thus was the inspiration for... Game of Thrones season seven or eight, whatever the last season number was that I've chosen to forgotten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty, yeah, it was It was a decent book. The themes that I took away from the book definitely was the that Conan had high regard for the bard or the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was the uh, Escalante, the Thothamon's slave master he went down like a like a sack once the the guy saw the ring just like imagined yeah. him took his ring away and then started calling demons out as you do well yeah not a lot of foreplay with that guy i'll tell you
2: Is <laughs> interesting the um amount of emotion that the the tough guy the the slave mm-hmm. um like you could it was really visceral and when he realized that the ring was right there like it was like yeah there you was that now and you felt there, it
0: there was no fact checking it was just like oh you have a ring you say <laughs> dead <laughs> 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 like <laughs> part of me was like wouldn't it be fantastic if he just murders this dude and then the guy's like at you know his dying breath was yeah but i i pawned it for <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's gone he, he's got no clue now where it's gone probably for some weed money yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Damn it! <laughs> Do you have the receipt? <laughs> the way he acted with that
1: ring was a lot like Gollum with the the, the ring in yeah. Lord of the Rings.
0: Well, that and the the sword breaking in and him using kind of the, the, the stub. Of the yeah, the shards of it. Um, reminded me of Narsil. For those not as familiar with the Lord of the Rings world, that's when the sword of, was it Anduril, was broken and... And it's, then the shards are used to cut the ring off of Sauron's hand.
2: I got a question for you, Brian. hmm You were able to and have been able to recall a lot of the names and their strange names. Do you take notes to help you remember?
0: I've got a couple of notes of, of these names. Okay. The, the Lord of the Rings stuff, Either way, I'm, I'm pulling from like a 20-year-old memory. So I may be off on those names, but <laughs> I jotted names down just in my little pocket notebook.
1: There were some really strange names in this book for sure.
0: The names bugged me so much. (laughs) So much. (laughs) Because they were just all over the place. There was no unifying factor. And these stories were supposed to be set like thousands of years BC. Mm -hmm. And half of these names are from languages that won't come around for like 3,000 years.
1: Right. And they all speak a common (laughs) language, obviously, even though it's all across the world. Mm-hmm. And what was the time period? They said it was before the fall of what's the name of that Numenor in the West. No, oh, the no. Wait, <laughs> <that's>, sorry,
0: <laughs> Lord of the Come Rings on. again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Atlantis, wasn't it? It was before yeah, the fall of Atlantis. Yeah, I think they mentioned Atlantis.
0: Yeah, it's it's all set in kind of this weird,
1: like way early prehistory before pre-history there was a big cataclysm wiped out everybody and push reset control yeah. deleted the whole thing.
2: As you it's do. interesting the like I mean you because when you name things in in your fictional stories or whatever you're, you're trying to evoke a something a feeling a, like this feels like an elvish language it feels like mm-hmm. believability is much more important than realism and we're definitely uh, the historical context of this story is is beyond us it's the right word but it's outside of our context I really felt like it, it was trying to evoke like a, a biblical feel in its naming conventions and in style and dress. I don't know what you guys thought.
1: Some of the the names seemed vaguely familiar of which geographic areas he was talking about. Like he was mm-hmm. describing the Northern countries. Like,
2: no, oh, you felt like it was kind of a Viking Nordic locale. I didn't get that at all. I, I, I pictured like de- desert, Middle East type of thing. Yeah,
1: there were, there were several. He was talking about the Northern the Northern territories where nobody was happy and it was dark and cold and windy and rainy all the time. And everybody fought and drank all the time.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think, I think that area is supposed to be, especially cause they mentioned, yeah, Asgard and Vanaheim. Oh, right, right. Um, to the Northwest mm-hmm. of Samaria. Mm-hmm. So it's like Samaria is, is like maybe Northern Germany or Poland. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, Asgard and Vanaheim, you're, you're obviously up in Scandinavia there, which kind of puts this in Central Europe, which I think is why mm-hmm. the Wikipedias were saying that it was probably somewhere France-ish.
2: Interesting.
0: But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like languages, and so the names kind of bugged me that way. But at the same time, like you're saying, the, the names are meant to kind of evoke. And with a story this short, there's definitely some shorthand going on with the naming. You know, having having Conan's kind of advisor and companion be named Prospero. It kind of gives you more of a feel for the character that would have taken a lot more prose to flesh out.
1: When I hear Samaria, for some reason I do picture like a Middle Eastern country.
0: Well there's Samaria, which is from northern Israel, when Israel split in two. There was Judah and then Israel, and Israel then later became Samaria. Mm. So that's like this good Samaritan is the person from Samaria, but this is Samaria or something, which is spelled completely different. Yeah, C-I-M-M-E-R-I-A.
2: Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what I read. I I read that and totally pronounced that differently in my mind. There's a C there. It's it's Chimeria.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In Robert E. Howard's uh, mythos, one of the lands is iranistan wow. excellent <laughs> like that's <laughs> it's a little, a little on the nose Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah samaria according to his descriptions is like the celtic islands britain scotland
2: oh okay interesting I didn't oh, use that at all.
0: yeah so i w- was looking at that red northwest and then immediately my mind went northeast with it instead which is where i got the germany poland thing but yeah, that that makes sense. That having him having the barbarian be Celtic.
1: Well, the barbarians in history were the Germanic tribes, so I can see where you're where you're going with that.
0: Yeah, well, that's where we get the word barbarian from. Is the Romans thought that the Germanic languages sounded like sheep, so they called them barbar.
1: <laughs> well, that'll start a war every time. <laughs> So, a little background on Robert E. Howard. He was born in Texas in 1906, which puts him pre-World War I. Was he he a soldier in World War I? He would have been too young for that.
0: I mean, that didn't stop a lot of people in World War I. Right. But if he was was American, you know, we tended to enter those things a little late, so. Yeah. One of the things that I was wondering was, you know, this is pretty early with modern fantasy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering, because I know that one of the, the main influences for pretty much all modern fantasy is this book by uh, Mr. Mr. No, oh, I can't remember the dude's name now. It's called Well at the World's End. And like, I know that it, it influenced pretty heavily Tolkien and Lewis, because it had it had like a King Gandalf huh. and a King Peter There was a sword named Silverfax, not Shadowfax. Wow. So I did a a little bit of Googling to see if anybody was saying that uh, William Morris is the name of the author. Uh, But I did a little bit of Googling to see if anybody was saying that Robert Howard was influenced by this Well at the World's End book. This is a whole thing to say that that was a total red herring because nobody's saying that. And not having read any more Conan than you're, just this you're one the first story, to say it. or the other book, yeah, you heard it here first. So speaking, speaking from a, a place of complete ignorance,
2: <laughs>
0: I came up with that idea, and uh, clearly, that's that's where it needs to stay.
1: Um. <laughs> I guess it could have been King Arthur stories.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, there's fantasy going all the way back, right? You have, but kind of the the modern sort of sword and sorcery and high fantasy type stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems that he didn't. No one else was saying that he had been influenced by that. And having not read that story, I don't have anything to go on other than I know that that was an influence for a lot of fantasy writers. And it was written in like 1880s, 1890s.
2: I'm on some fandom wiki, which is by no means authoritative especially as it has zero sources
0: um
1: (laughs) those are the best kind (laughs) those are the ones that are either
0: (laughs) so far out there that they're just fun or so right that it's scary
2: (laughs) (laughs) um they talk about robert e howard's correspondence with hp lovecraft Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the supernatural elements are shared between those stories there is and then they talk a lot about uh, popular interest in the time of ideas around evolution and social Darwinism, like what makes Conan the ideal man type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his, his Conan's explicit opinions around civilization. And in one book in Queen of the Black Coast, Conan says, Let teachers and priests and philosophers brood over questions of reality and illusion. I know this if life w- is an illusion and i am no less an illusion and being thus the illusion is real to me i live i burn with life i love i slay and i am content which is i think one of the most surprising things to me about the conan stories is how explicit they are in the commentary on life it's not just him running around kicking ass being cool like he's he is explicit like the robert howard is is uh explicitly talking about like what it means to be a human how people should live how people could ideally live
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's there's definitely some practical philosophy that he seems to be working out there
2: because i think when we think of especially we think of like dungeons and dragons barbarians even like Arnold schwarzenegger Conan movies
0: oh um, sorry that was the name is, of my my barbarian character that I played.
2: You're, oh, you're,
0: you're, it's been I've been trying to think of, of it for like here? a week and I couldn't think of it and it just came. Sorry. <laughs> I totally interrupted and derailed you. Continue. <laughs> no, it's alright.
2: <laughs> um we think of them being dumb. Like I mean, like they're almost like a, a parody of themselves. Like
0: Yeah, like the uh the tick superhero mm-hmm. is a barbarian. Yeah. And that's right, right, that's right, exactly, exactly how he's he's lovable, but he is dumb.
2: They're never Idealize. They're never like, "Oh yeah, this is how you know humanity should be." They're always like, Haha, "Look at that big muscle bound idiot,"
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: or or like, or maybe that big muscle bound idiot is like necessary for their specific task, but they're never portrayed in the light of this guy's got it figured out.
0: You know, it's, in a way, it, it, the Conan is almost set up here like a foil to the kind of philosopher king of king arthur oh yeah where you know you've got this guy and and there's some court intrigue but he doesn't care he just is missing the days when he used to bash heads in mm-hmm. and so he, he gets that vision and he's just like sweet i'm putting on
2: my armor so he's he's betrayed here and he's definitely portrayed in other stories as well as being the ideal man but at the same time like i mean this story basically opens with him as a failed king he has failed as king Mm-hmm. Is that is that the case? Is it is the story saying that's not his fault? It's the it's the it's everybody else's fault for not being more like him. Or I, well,
0: I almost took it. I don't know. I it, to me it seemed almost hmm, it seemed almost that he wasn't so much a failure as a victim of the success that the the people had it so good that they started nitpicking and mm. looking back at you know the ones or one or two things that they liked better before, but that the, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't take it as, you know, he's a complete failure as a King. He seemed to be doing okay, but it just, he didn't enjoy it. And the people were bored from, from a prolonged period of peace.
1: Right. He mentioned that the people were longing for the bad King that he took over for. And that was one of the barge things was he was singing about Conan being a failure, but the people have never had it so good. And they had it so good that they have time to complain about nothing. King Numedidas. Numidides.
0: Numdides, <laughs> Numdides. All right.
2: That, that, I like it. That's my second name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Epimetris Numdides. I got to keep a running gag going. That's my band name in college.
1: <laughs> what did you say your weird name was, James?
2: I don't even remember
1: anymore. Epimetrius, <laughs> I think is what it was.
2: Epimetrius, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It- episiotomy. episiotomy. Oh, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so wrap up on the story. Uh, Robert E. Howard, the story is The Phoenix on the Sword. It was an early work by this guy. He actually, unfortunately, ended his life early through some strange suicide pact with his father. But his father was unaware of the suicide pact which is an interesting story on its own. I'd suggest checking that out.
0: It's really quite sad. I, You know, I can't help but feel for his dad that he, his son saying some weird That's things. As his, yeah, because it was basically his his mother was dying of cancer or something, and, you know, he, he seemed to have said something probably along the lines of, you know, life's not going to be worth living when she's not around anymore or, or something, but he seemed to have taken from his dad's response that they had formed a suicide pact and his dad just I guess thought it was a normal thing that you say during grieving but yeah his his mom died and he walked out in the parking lot got sat down in his car and shot himself in the head
1: spontaneous Woo.
0: yeah so his dad loses his wife and his son in the space of a half hour
1: in the space of a city block yeah dang yeah that's no that's too bad yeah, so... So, right, his his career was taking off, really. He was starting to pick up steam and starting to get some notoriety with these characters. Because Conan really didn't pick up much uh, mainstream approval until after uh, the writer was already gone. And wasn't he in his, like, early 30s, too? Yeah, I think he was 30 years old. Man. Wow. Yeah, burn bright. Burn out too soon. That's too bad. Yeah, it's really, really sad. So on the gentleman's scale, I would call this, let's see, how many mustache twists are we calling this? On a scale of one twist to four twists, I would give this a, uh, let's say, three twists.
0: Um, I I feel pretty confident in rating it a Nicolas Cage. Okay. Is that a Con
1: Air Nicolas Cage or a Leaving Las Vegas Nicolas Cage?
0: It's a Raising Arizona, Nicolas Cage.
1: That's a it's a high mark.
2: I yeah, I'll always, always roll, roll with a with a uh, family man, Nicolas Cage, you know. Mm. Favorite Nicolas Cage. Is. <laughs> All right. Magician's Apprentice. <laughs> there you go. Or, or
0: do we not talk about that one? That's a rough <laughs> Nicolas Cage right there. <laughs>
1: All right. So that was The Phoenix on the Sword by Robert E. Howard. You had to check your notes? Yep, I did.
0: (laughs) 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 Perfect. There's going to be a whole bunch of hot garbage at the beginning of this take.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can see the waveform of my laugh. I don't like it.
0: (laughs) So just minimize the window.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can't stop staring at it.